Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how God has used Velocity to make a difference in your life, send an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We are in the final installment of our series in the Christmas spirit. And what we're doing in this series is learning to adjust our attitude and our actions so that we can maximize every moment that we stepped into, that we step into. And if you missed some of our earlier messages, we began by looking at the invitation. What we said is that the invitation has been issued. The invitation's gone out. Everybody's invited, but it's not really a matter of whether or not you got an invitation. What matters is what are you doing with the invitation? And so we looked at that, and then last week we talked about the investment, and the investment we learned from the example of the wise men. We saw how the wise men traveled from afar. They traveled a great distance, a great journey, and they showed up. And what we learned is that in every situation that we go into, that we show up at, whether it's at church or whether it's unexpected situations where we don't know how it's going to turn out, that we can bring something with us. And we have something to give. We have something to offer in this situation. We have an investment that we can make. And we talked about investing our presence and investing our worship, dealt with our posture, and to give the gift that we have. And you can go back and check that out. But today I want to close by looking at the inn. And the inn might seem like a strange place to begin a sermon or end a series because if you know the Christmas story at all, you know that the inn is not really a major part of the story. The truth is, the inn is only mentioned once in one place and one scripture. There's so many other things happening in the Christmas story that it almost seems inconsequential because there's angels that are showing up. There's people that are having their fears quieted and their worries stopped because heaven is speaking peace to them. You have people that are passing through, people that are praising God, people that are praying out. There's so many different things happening. We could talk about any number of those things, but in this one verse that mentions the end, there's a powerful message that we're going to learn today. And if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and look in Luke chapter 2, where we're going to be at for this morning's sermon. And I'm only going to read two verses to you, but within these two verses, God spoke something really powerful to me, and I'm excited to share it with you. So Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now this is talking about Mary and Joseph. The days were completed for her, talking about Mary, to be delivered, to bring forth a son. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, talking about Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to use these two verses to talk to you today about our subject, the inn. And it's always my custom that we would pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So I would just ask you to bow your head with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak. And God, I'm asking you to do it again today. We know God, that we need to hear from you. We don't need my opinion or ideas. We need to know what you have to say. So God, use me. Let your word go forth. I thank you, Father, that it will. 
And everybody who agrees with that and believes that can say in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you have a favorite Christmas tradition? Like favorite Christmas memory, tradition, something you do all the time? Uh, Maybe for some of you, it's the Christmas decorations, the way you decorate the house, the Christmas tree. There's some memories with that. Uh, How many of you would say it's like Christmas treats, Christmas cookies, Christmas baked items, some of you for that? Uh, Anybody, it's Christmas carols, Christmas music, songs? No, we don't have a musical group this morning. Um, How about it's the presents? Anybody like the the way you do gifts, how you open them, some of you for that? Uh, Anybody, their favorite thing about Christmas is the snow? Anybody? Snow? Okay, you can leave. Um, Yeah, we've all got favorite things about Christmas. Uh, I definitely have some of my own, but I want to share with you one of my least favorite things. And I'm going to go out on a limb. I I believe that probably for all of us, if there's going to be a category of least favorite things, this would probably make everyone's list. And as much as I love Christmas, I love the season, I love so many things about it. One thing I don't like about Christmas is the crowds. The crowds. Does anybody love the crowds at Christmas? It's your favorite that you love the crowds? Okay, we're going to pray for her. Um, just stretch forth your hands. I don't, I don't like the crowds. I just, I like my space. I love so many things about Christmas, but I can do without the crowds. In my opinion, that's why God made Amazon. Because I don't, I don't want to deal with the crowds at Christmas time. Um, I, I really think that Target at Christmas time is one of the layers of hell. Like, I'm just sure of it. I just don't want to, and I love people. I want to be around. I just don't want to be crowded. I don't even like being crowded by my kids. Last night, I was going over my notes, and Grant came downstairs to get a bedtime snack, and he goes to the fridge. He pulls out a string cheese, and he comes over, and he gets this close to my face while I'm looking at my notes, just chewing his string cheese, <laughs> and I spanked him after that, and I, I, just, I don't like being crowded. I like my space. I remember the first time. Marissa convinced me to go Black Friday Christmas shopping with her. Coincidentally, it's also the last time I went Black Friday Christmas shopping with her. It was crazy. It was bananas. It was, it was nuts. I, I mean, fights were breaking out just in the parking lot. And um, it, it was so, so I, we weren't, didn't have kids at this time. We weren't even married. We were just dating. Uh, sometimes we say true love has no limits. Let me tell you, there are, I've discovered there are limits Black Friday Christmas shopping is on the list. We went Christmas shopping. Didn't even go early. You know, we just went because we were something to do and we we went. I remember going to the store. The line to check out was already at the back of the store. We picked up a couple things, like a two-hour wait in line. Of course, we happened to get into the one line where some person has found the only item in the entire store without a barcode. (laughs) So they're calling... Yeah, can we get a price check on this item, please? You know nobody's coming from the back to get a price. You know that is not going to happen. I'm just trying to say I, I like my space. I don't, I don't like crowded, being crowded. don't like crowds. At that point, I, I, I'm done with joy to the world. Okay, just get away from me. And it's funny because we've been singing that song, joy to the world, right? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But think about the next line. It says, let every heart prepare him room. Prepare him room. 
What's so interesting to me is that when you look at the Christmas story, that's not the case. Not everybody did prepare him room, at least where we read in Luke chapter two, what we see is that in the inn, there was no room. There was no room. And you can bring out my illustration. And it's because there was no room in the inn that we end up with this, the manger scene, the nativity scene. When we think of the Christmas story, there's a lot of things we could think about, but probably all of us think about this scene, Jesus born in a manger. And so powerful to me because we have this all because there was no room. I was talking about favorite Christmas traditions, memories. This is probably one of my favorites. I I love the manger scene, the nativity. It's meaningful to me because that was my job as a kid was to set up the nativity. Now, all nativities look a little different. Uh, Some nativities are bigger. Some are smaller. Some you see in yards. Some light up. Some are inflatable. Um, Some, you know, sometimes they have more pieces there's, you know, camels and wise men and shepherds and cattle lowing. We don't know what lowing is, but they were doing that in the nativity. Uh, you know, we, we see different things with the nativity. Uh, for mine, we always set ours up on the coffee table. Again, I was in charge of it, so it was a place I could reach. It was nice for me because then I could incorporate all my other toys. So I had Ninja Turtles fighting shepherds and Optimus Prime carrying baby Jesus, G.I. Joes riding camels. It was It was quite the scene. But within every manger scene, what all of them have, no matter how different they are, what all of them have is Mary and Joseph looking over baby Jesus. And we have this because there was no room. This scene is really meaningful to me on so many reasons. I told you I set it up as a kid. That was my job. I've got a lot of memories of it, but more than that, I just think back to really what that night would have been like. I mean, you gotta picture this. I know sometimes scripture is hard to relate, but put yourself in this scenario. Mary and Joseph are traveling. She's a teenager. She's pregnant with God's baby. Great distance, we don't know what the distance is. 80 miles, maybe 120 miles, we're not sure. They travel a great distance. I wonder, not that she felt shame, but what kind of comments she would have had to endure. They're going to be around family because there was a census going on. All the people had to go back to the place where they were born, where their family originated. They had to be counted. They had to pay tax. So you've got this long journey, large family gathering, family drama, financial obligations, political, government, unrest, turmoil, It's a crazy time. And they show up, they get to the place that they're supposed to stay. Somebody says, we don't have room. Because of that, we have this. Jesus born in a manger, a feeding trough. We don't know exactly what it was, a stable, a barn, some say a cave. Regardless, it was a place where they housed their animals, a place where the animals would take refuge from shelter. And in this place, 
is where Mary gives birth. Talk about unsanitary. Talk about unsterile. Talk about inconvenient, uncomfortable. I mean, I imagine just what the labor pains were like. It makes me think back to when we had our firstborn. We had planned on, Marissa had planned on doing everything, you know, natural. Just have natural childbirth, no drugs. But our kids genetically inherited a big head. I don't mean like ego. I mean like their head was large. So uh, we couldn't do that. She had to have a C-section. We weren't planning on it. Whenever you have a C-section, you have to have something called an epidural. I don't know if you've seen the needles, but it's like this. I'm not making it. It is this long, the needle. And so they're poking her in the back. They had to get it a few times. I am freaking out, trying not to cry, trying, praying to God that I don't pass out because medical stuff freaks me out. It really does. So it, was, it, it was crazy. There was there screaming, panic, chaos, crying. That was just me filling out the paperwork to get her in the hospital. <laughs> Once we got in, can you imagine what it was like for Mary? Mary in this scenario, and we have this, this scene, this manger scene, this nativity scene, all because there was no room. See, that's what stuck out to me as I was thinking about the sermon, because we've been in a series closing out our year talking about making room. And how when you make room for God, he can do a miracle. But in this text, what we see is the greatest miracle God wanted to do. God coming to earth. God wanted to come in. And there was no room. No room. Can you imagine that? And what's interesting, because I started looking into this a little bit more, is that as much as the Bible talks about making room for God... It also talks a lot about when there's no room. I won't go through all the passages with you, but just a couple. Psalm 10.4, if you want to write it down, it says this, that the proud person rejects God because there's no room in his thoughts for God. Jesus, he said to the Pharisees one time, when they were arguing with him and they were trying to kill him. He said, the reason you're trying to kill me is because you have no room for my word. No room. And what I'm trying to illustrate with this picture here is that scripture is really clear that we get to create space for God. We create space by saying yes or saying no. But in the end, there was no room. It's interesting to me because that's really what the Christmas spirit is. You want to know what this series is about? What I've been trying to get across to you. This is the message of Christmas. This is the Christmas spirit that God wants to come in. He wants to come in, into every moment, into every situation, no matter how frustrating, no matter how disappointing, no matter what the hurt is, into your fears, into your worries, the things that don't go as planned, God wants to come in, in, in that moment. He wants to come in. 
But so many times, God will show right up on our doorstep, knock on our door, and we say, there's no room. And you know, as I was thinking about this message, it'd be really easy to preach a sermon that points the finger, right? That just demeans people, makes them feel less than, points the finger at culture or society, people who didn't create space for God. But in this text, what's interesting, it doesn't actually say that there was an innkeeper. It says there was an inn. It doesn't say that there was an innkeeper. And I wonder if maybe the reason it doesn't say who told them no is because sometimes the innkeeper can be you, can be me. Man, I was talking about myself. Like sometimes I'm the innkeeper. Some, sometimes I'm the one who said no. God, God has showed up at my door with an opportunity God wants to work a miracle in my life, but I've said, no, God, no, no room. And as I think about this, like, I don't think that the innkeeper was evil. I don't think he was a bad person. Like, I relate to the innkeeper. Well, what we know is that Joseph and Mary showed up. They obviously thought this guy or this place was a good place to stay the night. They had every intention of being there, but they showed up, and the innkeeper didn't have capacity to give Joseph and Mary what they needed. See, I can relate to that because let's just take Jesus out of the equation for a minute. There's been lots of times in my life where I felt like I didn't have capacity to give somebody what they needed. I, I, I know what you need, but I just, I can't give you what you need. Work a full day, come home, See my kids, they're jumping all over me, and you already know I like my space. I want to play, and man, I'm too tired. I don't have capacity to give you what you need. Get home, work the full day. I've got 30 unread text messages on my phone. I, I know that these people need attention. I know that they, they have some legitimate, best I can do is send you an emoji. That's all I got in me right now. Just a little thumbs up, fist bump. And I'm, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but I just wonder, can you relate to the innkeeper? Have you ever not had the capacity to give somebody what they need? I, I know I should go on more dates with my spouse, but I'm so busy. Got so much going on. I've got work needs this, and I've got these people need that, and I've got these things. I just don't, don't have time. I, I, I know I didn't give my project, this project, my best. I, I know I just halfway did it, but I had limited time. I, didn't have enough, I don't have the capacity to give it everything that it needs. There are people in my life that, I care about, and I want to tell them how much I care about them. I want to tell them how much they mean to me, but I just, I don't have the, I don't have the capacity in my schedule, the time. I don't have room. How do us mean to? And so when I think about this, I mean, Scripture doesn't say, but I, I look at this scene. What I think about is 
who took priority? Why, why was there? Again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel, but I'm talking about my in now. And I'm looking at this story. I'm wondering who took priority? I mean, who was in the room? Who, who was it that when Mary and Joseph showed up, they were expecting to stay there. It didn't go as planned. The innkeeper says there's no room. Who was in the room? I think about, well, maybe, maybe the inn was full of fame. We'll say fame. Well, what I mean by fame is, you know, that there was a census going on, a lot of people traveling. Maybe there was somebody more important. It's a famous person, more important person, more important than a pregnant teenager and her boyfriend. Maybe, you know, people had to come back, pay their taxes, all that kind of stuff. Maybe the person who was more important, maybe it was a family member of the innkeeper. It's like, hey, I've, I've got to hold this room because I've got family coming. Maybe it was somebody who was wealthy, they could pay more, they could charge more, it's going to be better for the innkeeper that way. I, I don't know who it was, but apparently there was somebody that was more important than Mary and Joseph. Now, in my life, when I think about why is my infill, it may not be that somebody is more important, but maybe it is that there's something that is more important. Maybe it's, I'm just wondering what could be in my end. Maybe for me, it's, uh, it's all my to-dos. I've got all these to-do lists, things that are taking up my schedule, work to-dos, family to-dos, a, a lot of things that need to be done, like they're not gonna happen by themselves. I gotta get the kids places. I, I've got a lot of to-dos that are filling up my end. Maybe, you know, for this innkeeper, he had a lot of work he had to do. Maybe, well, no, maybe he had some goals. Maybe he was driven. Maybe he's got to let some people stay there because, uh, you know, he can make more money. He's got to take care of his family. He's got some financial goals he's trying to hit. Man, I've got goals. Sometimes I wonder if my goals can get in the way of what God is trying to do. I, I, I don't know what was in the end, but when I, when I look at this end, I, I think of this one. I think it's just this one, demonic cats. <laughs> now, I don't mean demonic cats, but I just mean your schedule, calendar. This one alone, this fills up my end. And this is, like, this is not bad stuff. I mean, like, I live off my phone. All my appointments, everything is in there. I live off my phone. If it's not in there, it doesn't happen. Like, like in our household, my wife has a giant one of these that she writes everything down to manage our house, she writes down doctor's appointments and school appointments and church meetings and travel schedules and vacations and date nights and football games and basketball games and all this kind of stuff. None of those are bad things. But can I tell you, I've said no to God because of this. 
God has showed up on my door. This one alone, if we don't talk about anything else, I've said no to God opportunities, to God moments, because my life is so full with this, all good stuff, nothing wrong. Again, I'm not talking about your end. I'm just talking about my end. I'm talking about the things that I've let in. It's full. I wonder what's more important. But, you know, maybe it wasn't someone that was more important. Or in our case, maybe it wasn't something that's more important. Maybe the reason that we kept the door shut, maybe, maybe his in was full of stuff he was embarrassed about. Maybe it's full of stuff that he didn't want people to see. Maybe, maybe the inn was full of shame. Shame. I mean, maybe this guy was a hoarder, okay? Maybe he had a lot of stuff from his past that he was still holding on to. I don't want to open the door. I don't want people to see that. Because if I open up the door and let people in, they're going to see my mess. Like, you know, there's the way you really live, and then there's the way you want people to think that you live, right? Am I the only one like that? Make sure your house is, when you have people over, it's like, you look great, but don't show up unexpected. Maybe his in was full of, maybe he was too embarrassed about the state of his in. It's full, but it's full of stuff I don't want you to see. Full of shame. Maybe, maybe the reason they kept the door shut was some broken relationships, broken hearts, broken marriages, broken relationships, divorce. Maybe in the end there was some addictions. Can't open the door. Don't want you to see that. Maybe there was some secret sins that we keep private. Nobody knows about that. Maybe the reason there was no room is because his inn was full of shame. We keep the door shut. Don't let anybody in. I don't want anybody to see it. And the problem is, like, even if I was to clean all this up, I don't know where to start. I mean, I don't really want to bring all this stuff out in the open. I don't want it exposed for everybody to see. It's a lot easier for me to just keep the door shut. And so God will come to your doorstep, knock on your door with a miracle waiting to happen, and we miss the moment because of shame. Maybe it wasn't that, though. Maybe there was something else. Maybe, maybe the, the other reason, maybe it was blame. Blame. What, what I mean is, it's not their fault. There was somebody else in the room. The reason there wasn't room for them 
It's because somebody else got there first. Sometimes we blame others. Sometimes we blame ourselves. Well, this is just the way I am. I mean, this is it's born this way. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I'm always late. This is just, just blame, just play the victim. Just who I am. Can't change it. It's born this way. And so we place blame. Man, how, how does discouraging would this be that God is showing up with a miracle and we've got no room because of what somebody else did we're keeping the door shut because of somebody else's actions I'm just thinking through all these things like again talking about my end not talking about what's going on with you, just how easy it is to keep the door shut in our life. So easy to let other things take priority. So easy to let other things become more important. So easy to keep the door shut because of what I don't want people to see. So easy to pass blame and play the victim. And if we stopped here, be real discouraging fact that God showed up and we said there's no room. God knocked on your door, wanted to work a miracle in your life, but there was no room. But can I tell you, this is actually the part of the story that got me excited. Because we have this because of this. There was no room in the inn. That's why we got this picture. And we don't know exactly how it happened because the Bible doesn't say, but we're led to believe. And I just kind of imagine how this played out. Joseph and Mary, they come, they show up. God's about to work a miracle. The, the innkeeper says, I don't have any room for you. There's no room here. Shuts the door. And I don't know what they felt. I don't know what would have happened. They, they turn away. Maybe they start walking. They get halfway down the street. But then it's like something happens. The, the innkeeper says, hey, wait, 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 wait just a minute. I don't have, I don't have any room here. But I do have this. And if, if you want this, you can have it. Here's, here's the challenge that I have for everybody. Will you give God what you have left? I'm not asking you to clean up your inn. I'm not asking you to change the past. I know you wish things were different. I know if you could do it over again, you probably wouldn't do it the same way. But I'm not asking you to clean up your inn. I'm just asking, will you give God what you have left? 
the reason I like this, the manger scene, is because it shows us that God can work a miracle even in the places where you weren't prepared for it. I know we've been talking about making room and maybe you didn't get to make room like you wanted to, but will you give God what you have left? Pastor Justin, I don't know, like, I mean, you don't understand, like, I'm on my third marriage, but will you give God what you have left? You, you don't understand, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Would you give God what you have left? I, I, I grew up in church. I should have known better, but I did a lot of stuff, and I'm embarrassed about my end. Will you give God what you have left? We have this because an innkeeper said, I don't have room here, but I've got a stable, I've got a barn, I've got a manger. If you wanna use that, you can use that. And I believe God is looking for some people to say, God, here's what I have left. Maybe it's not what I would've wanted to give you, kind of embarrassed about the situation. I'm not even gonna open the door, but I'll give you what I have left. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. For more great messages just like these, remember to subscribe. That way you won't miss anything. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can do that by going to findvelocity.org give and partnering with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you see how God is moving in your life.